0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast. In this show, we discuss the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and how to grow a profitable marketing agency with some of the best minds in the space. Since 2015, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency Program. If you're interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space, then apply now at dfy agency scale that's dfy-agency-program.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. Now let's dive into today's episode. All right.
1: Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast. Today I have with me Shanice Miller Shanice is a business productivity consultant specializing in project management, who helps clients ranging from small startups to multi-million dollar businesses save hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars. Her passion for identifying and solving inefficiencies began when she sold her first business, an educational consultancy that had been recognized in Forbes and BET at a less than premium price point because she didn't have her systems and processes streamlined and documented. Over the last 10 years, Shanice has used her ability to identify operational inefficiencies and create solutions to not only help save her clients' businesses, but to also help them fall in love with them again. Shanice, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me, Tyler.
1: Well, I'm just going to dive right into the questions. Today, we're talking uh, all about organization and operations of businesses uh, and i'm really excited to dive into this with you but why don't we a little bit start on your background so can you just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about who you are uh, and the things that have helped you know shape who you've become today
2: yeah so i run a business operations firm for agency owners and that these agency owners usually have messy or no systems in place and What I do is to help make their daily activities more efficient and their businesses to run smoother so they can really maximize their impact. And what really shaped me was I had to learn about systems the hard way. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of us do. A lot of us,
1: yes.
2: (laughs) You probably have your own story about how you learned it the hard way too, but I learned it from having my first business as an educational consultant. And I was, as you always say, that one man band. I was doing the Facebook ads. I was doing the sales calls and I was doing the client work, doing the marketing. I don't know why I didn't hire. I probably should have taken your program and (laughs) talked about and had consultants, you know, people that are um, working in that field, being able to do contract work to do, to take off some of that off my plate. And actually, I did try to hire. I'll get about that, get into that a little bit later on. But um, just being that one-man band really just tired me out. It really, really wore me out. And it was to the point where... I was making the biggest impact. I was just about to hit my biggest month in business that since I started the business. So it seemed like things were going really on the up and up, but I was feeling so drained, so tired. I did not know how I was going to be able to maintain this level of clients and success next month, the month after that, or even the year after that. So I decided instead of just shutting down my business to sell my business. And that's when I went to sell the business and going through that process and hearing people's questions and their feedback on my business, I learned that they wanted systems. Everyone who wanted to purchase a business that was already in place, they wanted something they can come in and maybe the owner was only working five to 10 hours a week. And the only way you were able to do that was through having those systems and processes in place so that you can plug in one contractor or one owner for another person and the business would still run smoothly without someone having to be that talking head, telling everyone where to go, what to do. And that's what I had in my educational uh, business, which was I was that person with my one man band, always having to tell myself where to go, what to do, what do we need to do next? What do we do before these steps?
1: Yeah. You, you, quickly reach that point i think a lot faster than many of us think we're going to when you're growing uh of just maxing out you know your own capabilities your own you know bandwidth Um, i know i surely did
2: Yeah, especially when you take a course and that course really helps you with getting clients. But the gap in a lot of courses was where they don't really talk about setting up systems. So you're getting all these clients, you're excited now. You said systems can go into the back burner. uh, But like you said, you max out quickly.
1: (laughs) Quickly, yeah. And you're like, you know... For me, I maxed out, and I was just at like five or six clients because I was doing the fulfillment for them. Mm -hmm. I was trying to maintain some form of lead gen for my agency and getting people in. You know, I was doing the sales for my agency as well, and I I realized that when the fulfillment started taking up all my time, the business itself, my agency, was being harmed because I'm not able to put you know all my effort into the front end growing it and bringing in more clients. Right. And I think as a leader of an agency, um, you should, uh, you should first and foremost, you know, have these systems and processes in place so that your, your fulfillment is producing really, really well, because you have to keep your clients happy first. But once those are in place, your, your attention really needs to move to the front of the ship so that you can drive it forward so that you can grow so that you can, you know, basically stress test those systems so that you can continue to, you know grow but you can't even start thinking about that you're totally not on the front end of the ship when you're you know knee-deep in fulfillment so um getting out of that and getting those systems in place I think is just huge and and if you can the sooner you can learn to do it if you can learn to do it before you get trapped and breaking uh the better but I think a lot of us end up the other way like like I'm saying breaking first um Many ignore the back-end operations of their business uh, and you focus on it. So why do you think the back-end is so important?
2: I think it goes right into what you just said. As a owner of the business, you have to be at the front of the ship. And focusing on the back-end helps you to become at the front of the ship. And what I mean by that is if you have those, thoughts, those processes in place, if you have those back-end systems in place, then you can rest easy knowing that you have equipped your, your contractors or your new hires with the tools and the information that they need to co- complete the project on time and correctly with the same level of quality that you can give them. And just for example, um, and I'm sure you've gone into this, had the same issue where you're getting caught up in the client delivery area. And I see so many of my clients in that same boat where they're doing all this client delivery but that is not the best use of your time because and then when you're doing all the client delivery, the marketing starts to lax or the sales start to lax. So now it's this cycle of trying to get in there, but you don't want to really let go of that area. But having the back end ops, having those steps written down step by step, what do you need to do so that you can hand it over to someone else? Now, you no longer have to be in there. I actually have a client and I'm still working with that person to get out of the business. And they have a seven figure agency, but they are still trying to be in all of the client detail, all of the client work. And I'm, you know, working with them to tell them, okay, well, you're trying to be in all of the client work. I understand you want that high quality. I understand that you want your um, opinions and your input to be in there, but now your schedule is so tight we're not able to find, you know, room in your schedule for you to be in all of these meetings. You have three meetings booked on top of each other. How are you, you know, there's no possibility for you to effectively be in all of the client meetings for all of the projects that you have and running the front of that ship.
1: Yep. Yeah. It, It becomes so much. And some of us are more like I don't know okay with just running ourselves ragged on it i am not the older i get um uh, 31 now and like the older i get the more i'm like <laughs> i really want to just and you know have have a, a you know a healthy business but also just enjoy the lifestyle like i don't i don't need to be like gary v style hustling until i die until i'm 50 years old like i I want to, I'm, I'm very clear-eyed that I want that sweet spot where I can enjoy my day, uh, but also have, you know, a successful business. And even if that successful business is like, you know, profitable and, and paying the bills, but not like multiple eight figure, you yes. know what I mean? Like there's a balance there. Like I <laughs> I will sacrifice like the multiple eight figure for the a, a, an enjoyable day yes. and not having those three meetings. You know what I mean?
2: I completely agree with you. And I think that you touched on a really good point that I, I didn't realize until I'm in my thirties as well, until I got older too. When I'm in my twenties, you're like, yeah, let's grind it out. I want to work hard. I want to do great work. I can work these long days and these long hours. And then you get into your thirties and you're like, ease and flow. I want to enjoy life. I don't want to work as hard as I, you know, once put in all of that time, energy and effort. And I think that goes into um, also like where we are different stages in life and what you want to see yourself as. And a lot of times, if you're working so hard in your twenties, you're hope- hoping that that's going to pay off and you can kind of relax or ease up at some time in your thirties or even maybe your forties.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I, I completely experienced that once I crossed into, into 30, I was like, all right, <laughs> I think I'm really going to, I'm going to reorganize the priorities here. Yes. Um, Shanice, what are some red flags that indicate that an agency owner's processes are not defined well enough for them to start delegating?
2: So the biggest one is when you don't have any processes written down. So I've heard Mm. business owners and sometimes you can probably pick up on it, too, when they say, oh, the contractor can just pick it up as they go. Or it's all in my head, (laughs) you know, all of those things are really code code words for my processes aren't written down or they're not fleshed out or I don't have anything that I can like say I do repeatedly because I'm always trying to try (laughs) the newest thing or and it kind of goes into the same with that last client that I told you about. They're always trying to do something new. So now you don't have this repeatable process that you can give someone else. So now the owner's finding himself in all of the um all of the meetings and trying to be everywhere at one time when you're only one person, but it is because those processes aren't written down. They're not flushed out and you're not sticking to the process long enough before you are trying to improve upon it. You have to, you know, have some kind of standard. And to me, it's really like, um, not having your processes written down, is like getting some Ikea furniture that really needs to be assembled. And we all know Ikea furniture has a million pieces, And there are no instructions included in that box with those million pieces. (laughs) It just tells you like, put it together. And I know my furniture wouldn't really be put together correctly. I'm sure it would fall apart, it would be on backwards. And that's what I see with so many businesses when you don't have those processes written down, you don't have instructions to put that furniture together to tell that employee how to put your business together and your client work together so that it's not falling apart so that it's not on backwards and that you're presenting the client with something that's of quality
1: yeah i completely agree and uh, on the ikea note one thing that just needs to be said is there's always a missing piece (laughs) always a missing piece i don't know if i've ever built a piece of ikea furniture and not had a missing like nut or screw or bolt. And I'm like, oh, it says there's <laughs> supposed to be 10. And I swear I only put in nine. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, wh- which would you say are the key processes to define and streamline in a business?
2: So I would say that there are three key processes. And these this is what I found over the years that all businesses have these three things, which are marketing, sales, and client delivery work. And I actually have a free mini training just for your listeners that goes in depth on how to automate these key systems and processes in your digital marketing agency so that you can scale to six, seven, and eight figures. And nice. when I talk about how do,
1: how do they get access to that?
2: Oh, they can get access to it. Um, I also have a special page just for your viewers. Um, they can go to tasklygroup.com slash Tyler, and I'll probably mention it again at the end.
1: Perfect. Okay.
2: So I really say these three processes because they are the lifeline and the pulse of every business. Every business needs to have sales. They all need to have marketing and they all have to deliver on that what they sold. (laughs) So those are my three keys. I actually had a client who had a web design agency and the clients will reach out in the DMs or via email. And that person would either respond back slowly to the request that that the potential client had or this client would, since they responded back so slowly, the client would already um, hire someone else to do the job, or she would get on a call, tell them they'll send a proposal, but then would forget to send the proposal out afterwards. So you can see how that can amount to so much money and so much time missed um, and so much money missed in potential clients. Um, Those were $6,000 proposals that she was sending out and that she was missing out on because of forgetting to send those out. So streamlining the marketing, the sales, and the client onboarding process would have really prevented her from missing out on those particular clients.
1: Yeah, it's huge. Um, I, I I couldn't agree more on those, those three big buckets. Um, what do you think, you know, multi-million dollar companies uh, know about project management that maybe some of uh, the smaller companies or startups don't yet?
2: So I've worked behind the scenes of a lot of seven and eight figure business owners, and they know that by setting up processes and automating them, you can spend less time on current client workload while still giving that same level of service. And I say this because I worked with one of my clients to set up an onboarding sequence template and that they were at first doing all manually. But when you automate this process where after each time a client maybe signs their contract, they're automatically sent the email with the next steps in the process. They're told what to expect. They're given their client intake forms and any information that the client usually has to write in. Now that you've automated that process, instead of you having to be the one to go, okay, let me go ahead and write up this proposal. Let me send them that, write up that email and send that to them. um, That's saving up so much of your time. It's Getting you out of the weeds and it's letting you lead from the front, like we keep talking about and mm-hmm. going back to. But it's yeah. so important that automated process just created so that you no longer have to do that manually.
1: Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. I onboarding, I think, is a crucial, crucial piece of the puzzle that needs to be streamlined um, and perfected because. When you're starting that client relationship, that is probably the most important and pivotal part of the entire client relationship that you'll have with them I is setting the right foundations, setting the right expectations. I've seen it too many times where, because an incorrect expectation was set at the beginning, um, maybe they you know overpromised mm-hmm. or you know whatever they did in the beginning to to misalign the expectations. What that can result in is you know, an agency doing a great job and still having an unhappy client because they were expecting them to be at a 20 and maybe they're at a 15, but maybe beating 10 was fantastic, right? But they didn't realize that beating 10 was fantastic. And so they're upset that they're at 15 because they were told possibly 20. Yes. Like all those little things that are just really, really important to set clear expectations and processes and what comes next and procedural things. It's, it's so pivotal to the whole, you know, client relationship and communication puzzle that if it doesn't get right, if it's not streamlined, if it's not, you know, put into a process, then you're you're just bound to have a, a really messy and chaotic organization.
2: Yes. And I had something to just add to that. Just Absolutely. It also helps your customers to feel really cared for when they have that onboarding sequence there. They know what to expect from you, as you mentioned, but they also aren't worried about did I make the wrong decision with this company? Did I, you right. know, did I choose? Cause that's, what's really going through customers mind after, you know, right before and after they sign the contract and they pay the invoice, they're like, did I make the right decision? That's how sometimes you can get some refund request or so because they are worried. But if you have that onboarding sequence automated and it's given to them, they, They're they're told about exactly what to expect next. What do they need to do? They're like, oh, okay, this company is on it. I feel like they're going to really take care of me. They're going to provide me with everything that I need in a timely manner. And then they can rest assured that they made the right decision in choosing your company.
1: Yep i totally agree that there's a lot of fear in in big purchases when you're selling high tickets so uh helping assuade those fears right as they come in can be a massive part of the puzzle um how can we manage projects more efficiently with less team meetings i'm always someone who wants less team meetings uh so i i'm wondering you know what you think about that
2: me too i am not a big fan of meetings <laughs> <laughs> I think the less meetings, the better. Maybe that's from us being in our thirties and wanting this flow and ease <laughs> We're like, Oh, too many meetings, too, too many distractions. But yes. Um, I always say that a lot of times what I see is that companies will schedule meetings for just so that we can chat about the progress of the project um, so that we can yeah. see like, what are, what's this person working on this week? What did we get done last week? Uh, What do we need to get done in the future? And if you have your processes really spelled out and you're uploading them into a project management tool and having that dashboard, you can look and see see that at a glimpse. You can see what all of your employees are working on, what are the tasks for the week that need to get done, what's overdue, and what's coming up in the future instead of having to rely on that weekly meeting where maybe someone's distracted or maybe they could use that meeting time to actually do the client work. But instead they're having to prepare. They're having to, you know, prepare mentally, I'll say, because it's not necessarily they need to come with anything, but it's like now you have to stop what you're doing. You have to make sure that you're crafting some time, a buffer between a buffer after to get ready to go to that new meeting. Uh, versus if you just saw it at a glance, then you could see like, okay, what employees are stuck? Who can I, maybe I can reach out to them one-on-one to give them that attention, to maybe give them more training, to update our processes, our systems, to add additional checklists or something like that, so that the next person who does this same thing won't have those same concerns. And I I'm a big advocate in documentation anyways, because then you can see versus like having something verbal. People can misinterpret. Um, There's all sorts of things. You can forget what was said. But if you have it written down on paper, you can just reference that same sheet or that project management tool or that dashboard. And you can say, hey, we had you scheduled for this. You wrote in the comments that you're going to do it by this day. You know, do you need some help? I see that you're stuck here.
1: Yep yeah i love that having you know a good you know a good project management tool that you can just log in and see what was the last thing that happened on this account what is the next thing coming up what are we overdue for as are all you know critical things um how can processes help us to optimize quality assurance even when you know some agencies have a very small team
2: so Processes can help us really prevent errors, and that is really big in ensuring quality. Um, One of the things that I saw was because I helped to strategize and sometimes redo or add input to some of the processes that um, agency owners will go through. And so in looking through some of their project management tools, I would notice that they didn't have that checkpoint into their process or into their steps of having someone to check it afterwards. So usually you do have like a quality assurance person, or if that's still the web design person or graphic designer, they still need to do that quality assurance step. But when you don't have that step, that's when it can be overlooked. And so in one particular instance, they it was something with data that was being done at this particular agency for a client. And they were uploading it into, I'm I'm about to get really technical, but they were uploading it into a a sandbox. Um, And it was like a testing environment for the client to kind of view. And so the client's like, okay, we're ready to go live. That means that we're ready for you to put this onto our platform. And to have it go, to make it active so that anybody who goes to our website can see it. So they said, okay. And in their processes, they had all the steps out for putting it live putting it into their platform, but they forgot to, you know, turn something on. They forgot to have that quality assurance to have someone before they told the client, okay, this is all ready. So now the client's coming back to them saying this, you know, we're missing these parts. We're missing this. We, we don't see it live and it's because they didn't have that person to go back and check all of the work that one person did. So even if, you know, you are a small agency you can still have someone, or maybe if it's you, if it's just a small team, or you might have a, a someone who manages over everything. That person might be the one to check and make sure that this environment's live and it has these criteria. And you'd have to incorporate that into your project plans and into the processes and schedules that you have. But it really helps prevent those big errors like that because you don't want to have to keep going back and forth to a client. And I'm sure you've worked with um, designers or even web designers where you're telling them like, Hey, I want my page to look like this. And they're like, okay, we did it. And then you're just like, no, I told you <laughs> these steps. Yeah. to look like this. And then you go yeah. back and they go, I did it. And you're like, okay, we're still missing these three steps. And that's really frustrating yeah. for a client. You want those great reviews. You want raving clients and you want to do good work and having to keep going back and telling that client like, okay, we did it, but it's, it, you know, it's like a little bit more complete, but incomplete. That's just a bad look on your particular business.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It Trying to cut down on going back, especially when the client has already said, I want A, B, C, and D. Yes. And if you only come back with A and B, uh, that's a big, it's a big misstep and it can cause a lot of frustration with the client. And so having, you know, your process in place to where, you know, your quality checking did we get A, B, C, and D in the final product before it's just rushed delivered is absolutely critical across the board. So I couldn't, um, I couldn't agree more with you there. So how can we spend less time on our current client workload while giving the same level uh, of high quality service? So I think it's kind of something everyone wants to know. How can I deliver super high quality but work less time overall?
2: Yeah. So I would say, and maybe I'm just biased, but the processes and automating them, you can really spend less time on the client workload. And I know we talked about that onboarding sequence before, and we also you know, mentioned and discussed about hiring and how automating some of those processes can do that. But, you know, just little things like having touch points, automating those emails where you're reaching out to someone, um, having those templates of emails already written out that can help you from reinventing the wheel, having to think and strategize on, oh, what do I put on the email this time? Now you have a template that tells you, okay, all I have to do is add in a couple of these blanks and I already have something prepared um, and I can just tailor it, has something to go off of. I know I've personally spent like three hours, two hours, just trying to think about, okay, what would be the perfect thing to say in an email? But once you get that perfect thing to say, now you can just reproduce it for each person and tailor it towards them instead of spending three hours each time trying to think of the perfect thing or the perfect way that you can say it. Um, So that really helps.
1: um, Email templates save the world. I totally agree. (laughs) I could not agree more. I have have tons of email templates uh, for all types of, you know, different things uh that that happen you know recurringly
2: yes and there are just so many different automations as well that you can add in you know besides just emails that's a big part of all our time but you can also add in automations for assigning people to tasks because i would see so often you know certain tasks might stay in the queue so sometimes like say this podcast you might have like recorded it and now it's waiting for the editor now you, instead of you right. having to notify the editor in a project management tool, you can just move that over to the editor's duties and it will automatically notify them and you would have your notes. You would have, you would upload everything that they need. And that's a repeatable process you can do over and over again. It's the same where like after the editor is finished, you might want to send this to the marketing department for the marketing to kind of put a post onto your Instagram stories or to any of your things, and you need those systems to talk to each other. You need that person to be notified without you having to keep um, changing up and uploading um, uploading that person's name, kind of keep alerting them or adding them because <laughs> that's some you know a feature that we're yeah. all used to as well or even changing a bunch of dates, all of those things take up time. But if you have something in a sequence that's automated in place and you can just mark it complete and it goes to the next person and the next person's assigned, they have all the details of what they need to to do on this. You know, that cuts up, frees up on average, just 20 hours of your time each week with those templates, with already notifying people, just by preventing you from having to do those redundant manual tasks and replacing them with those automations.
1: Totally. What are actually, can project management tools replace the need for hiring a high level project manager? So are we at that stage yet in the tools?
2: I believe so. If you're using and setting it up correctly. So what I see is that many times a high level project manager is making sure that the project is being completed on time and on budget and they're responding directly to the client, kind of like a middleman. Yeah. But with the dashboards you can get that same visibility you can use some automations you can use email integration into the project management tool and that can create certain tasks so that you don't miss responding to emails so the emails are automatically incorporated into certain tasks you know what needs to be responded to you can send emails all out automatically through the project management tool as well And you won't miss a beat. So if you're sending, say, like a weekly email update to the client to inform them of the clients of the project's process, then that's something that can be automated. Instead of a project manager having to do, you have that template and the person who just completed that portion, they might fill out certain areas of like, okay, we've just finished this portion in the project. This portion's next. Have a great weekend. (laughs) You know, something simple like that where, you know, and... Sometimes, I guess, depending on how many projects you're trying to manage or trying to have under one one person to do, um, that can also it, – it, I think it just depends on the business model, how they have it structured. But for the most part, I do think that you can use more specialty work um, and then have those automations in there to replace a high-level PM um, versus – having just a high level premium to try and manage a bunch of different projects at once
1: yeah definitely at at a bare minimum a good project management tool can take a lot of the workload off of a person a manual person running around trying to do all these uh tasks um how can we best organize our onboarding templates trainings sops our project management how do we best organize all that
2: so that's actually a very loaded question tyler I actually use this 3D method that I have. It's where you define design and you do. It's my special framework that I made to tackle this for the customer's journey. So I organize the onboarding templates, the training, the project management, all of that by first defining the specific goal and the purpose that I have for organizing this i'm really trying to get to the bottom of what are you trying to accomplish what's the goal for doing this for organizing this or for having this process and then i would take that idea in mind keeping that goal in mind and i would start to design create the steps and the processes needed to reach that defined goal so we would really map out okay what's step one step two step three and sometimes goals have to be broken up into smaller pieces so that we can really make sure that we are um, creating and doing things uh, in a specific way so that it can all measure up together. And then lastly, we do, which is where we implement or upload the tasks into a software or tool. And that really allows us to automate and assign tasks. And it's a pretty detailed process, but it's also my zone of genius. And that's what I help clients with the most.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more on the breaking up bigger goals into smaller steps i think just the way human nature is if you see something on your list that is just huge it's like okay let's look for the smaller things that we can knock off quicker uh but if you take something off of your list that's huge and you put on you know maybe five things that are smaller that are just more attainable then i don't know at least for me my brain just can like can tackle that a lot easier. It's like, okay, if I just do X, Y, and Z, uh, I've done, you know, I've been productive today in moving that much closer to X big goal. But if I just see X big goal and I'm like, okay, what could be something that I could do to work on for it that's not defined, like you said, (laughs) I can get, you know, pushed, It's where procrastination starts up. uh, And that's when you start slipping away from really, you know, achieving those bigger goals. Yes.
2: And I do the same each day. I map out three main things that I want to get accomplished. And they are something that's easy to digest, something that I can do fairly quickly. But at least I know if I did those three things, I feel accomplished and I feel like I've moved forward sometimes. And like you said, when we have this really big goal, then we start having that paralysis analysis we're stopping from having, being productive or making those steps forward that will really propel us. Like say if our goal was, oh, I want a seven figure business. Well, how do you get there? You you have this big goal and there are no steps in between because you're just trying to jump from step zero to step 20. But there are other little steps that you get there. Like maybe first you might say, I have to get to a six figure business before I can get to a seven or eight figure business. And then what are the steps to get to a six-figure right. business? Oh, I need to get clients. So let's break that into a smaller piece of, okay, well, how do I get clients? Let's talk about the marketing. How? What am I going to do to market? Am I going to post on social media? Am I going to run some ads? Am I going to do joint ventures with people? Am I going to do outreach? Because each of those goals have different processes for them. So yes, definitely breaking it up can help you feel more um, and help you to accomplish more rather than just trying to have that whole bite of that one big process
1: yeah totally and you know there you don't people people don't realize like people that have achieved these things that we want to achieve and have met these big goals and the seven figure business or whatever the the big goal at the end of the day is you know, oftentimes those people go out there and they talk about their successes and they talk about their wins and they don't talk about kind of like what we're talking about right now that it, it, it wasn't just like, you know, oh, I started out and then boom, now I'm here. Like there was so many little tiny steps along the way, uh, to get there that, you know, you may not have seen, you know, step 10 when you're at step two, but you can see in the distance three and four, once you get done with two. And so it's just kind of taking, it's always taking that next step. What is, what is the very next thing and having that very next thing on your actual to-do list and just staying laser focused on that, that, you know, and then, and then one day you look up and you're like, oh my God, you know, I, I I'm here, I'm at step 10. Right. And, but you weren't, you know, just sitting there thinking about step 10 all the way through. From one all the way to ten, you were just looking at exactly what you have to do, and then the exact next step. And if you just stay laser focused on your current step and the one right ahead of that, you're going to get to ten way faster than if you just try to, you know, scramble all the way up there. I
2: completely agree. No one is that overnight success like we all would think that we are. No one just blew up. Even yeah. the people who seem like oh, it only took them a, a year, but it was like a year of intensity, a year of Focus in a year of learning, trying to just figure out what worked, what didn't work, learning, you know, what exactly what are the steps I I need in testing. <laughs> That's the biggest thing: te- learning, and testing. Yeah,
1: and it's years of of, of like I said, like practice hand, managing the task at hand and and managing the thing that you're you're currently working on, uh, and not just you know fantasizing about. Step ten, you got to get through two, three, and four, and five, all the way up. But it feels so uh, and, and nice and to fantasize about really,
2: step ten, being at the finish line, it, it bypassing does. all of it, like it the, the grunt work.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It does. I just i I've learned over time that if you're constantly thinking about ten uh, and not really what you're at what, what task at hand, it takes t- so much longer to get there. The fastest, the fastest I've ever got to these big goals always happens when I just keep my head down and I'm focused on the current thing that's going to take me to the next step. And you break, like you said, you break down those goals into tiny, smaller ones, right? Like if the goal is hundred, hundred K months, uh, you first, okay, I want to get to five K. I want to get to five K a month. Right. And what is, what is five K a month? You know, do you look at your packages. If you sell $2,500 packages, okay, sell two. So how do I sell two this month? And just keeping your head down and making sure you get two that month. And then you look up one day and you're like, okay, wow, I got my five. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, how do I double that? How can I, how can I increase these, you know, duplicate these processes and, and, and and grow. And when you do that, you look up one day and you're like, oh my God, I'm at 10 and that it it went way faster uh, than just, you know, I guess, not getting so granular and, and laser focused on the processes. Like it goes by way quicker uh, in that way, at least in my own experience.
2: Yeah, no, I experienced pretty much the same thing. And, you know, not being stuck on just the step 10, but, you know, focusing on some of yeah. those smaller steps that will add up and get you to that step 10.
1: And get all the gears turning mm-hmm. and get everything. And you start, that's how you start building momentum. It's just those little tiny steps right in front of you, one after another.
2: Yeah, but it's like always um, that... How- how in the world do I, like the chicken and the egg, do I hire someone? And that's why I love how your program talks about, you know, using contractors so that you can only, that's that's really what stood out the most to me, using those contractors so that you're not having to worry about salaries and things like that. I have seen so many people get bogged down in those details of like, okay, well, what do I need to do first? Do I need to hire a copywriter or do I need to hire a, a web designer? Do I need to, I need to hire someone first or I need to have these people lined up before I can make any sales? but now you have people waiting. So (laughs) like you said.
1: Yeah. And that, and that doesn't work at all. Like what the, one of the, the biggest, you know, cheat codes or shortcuts that, you know, I uncovered in launching a digital agency and some, it's the main, it's a a main pillar of the Dundry agency program is connecting with a valuable network of digital marketing contractors that are ready to go from day one, that have case studies that you can use to bolster your marketing with, even if you don't have the experience yourself, um, that, you know, will enable you to bring on a client, hand them over for fulfillment, take your piece of the profit, manage them and continue moving instead of getting stuck in the fulfillment, trying to learn how to do it yourself, trying to scramble to find that person then like step one is. Meet the contractors. Find out who's going to be building your websites. Find out who's going to be running your ads. Find out who's going to be, um, you know, delivering your copy, right? And so, when you land that first deal, when you land that second deal, you know exactly who to go to. You've already talked to them. You know their prices. That's how you created your prices. Mm-hmm. That's how you know how much margin you have. And so the whole thing, you know, works that way. When you know, whereas, you know, if you didn't do that, if you didn't, you know, join a program like mine or go out there and find your own contractors and put that network in uh, then when you do land that client, it's a brief moment of victory. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's so exciting. It's like, oh my God. Yay. And then, uh, oh no. Uh, and what I think is so funny is like in some of the big online Facebook groups, you'll see people like that. in like the digital marketing groups, they're like, oh my God, I just closed my first $10,000 deal. I'm so excited. Now Um, what do I do next? (laughs) I need a website. I need a website designer and Facebook ads. Um, does anybody know, does anybody know somebody? And like, oh my God, that like, You're gonna end up, you know, with the first person or the first few people that come to you and who knows if they're any good, you know, who knows if their pricing aligns with the pricing that you pitched. Like if that can fit inside of it, like it just it alleviates a lot of problems when you when you build out your contracting team first. And you don't have to pay any money up front for them. The clients pay for So it's just it it makes a whole lot more sense um, to do it that way.
2: I really, really love Uh,
1: that you do that. And that's a different uh,
2: spin on it than I've seen other people in the industry do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, How can we save both time and money by putting our project management on autopilot?
2: Yeah. So I've actually seen businesses flush $10,000, $5,000, $3,000, just or more sometimes just down the drain because they didn't have that project management on autopilot. And I actually experienced this myself. I remember reaching out to three different businesses for services and After doing the sales calls, after being promised that they'll send a proposal, only one of the companies actually followed up and sent me the proposal within 24 hours. And that actually was the company that I chose that I ended up going with to do those services. And so that's one of the main things I can always tell when a company doesn't have their project management on autopilot because they're usually sending proposals manually. They'll tend to forget to send the proposals. They'll forget to respond to certain DMs. And this is really how you lose potential customers and waste time on sales calls and, you know, just not really closing the deal. You're getting everything in line, but I don't know if you're so stressed out or you don't have those things in place. You don't know how or you don't have the skill to or you're just, you know, in that analysis paralysis phase. But that's really how I see that autopilot can make sure, and it's the same thing when we talked about a little bit earlier with making sure that your client feels well and they're onboarded correctly. If they're not onboarded correctly, then they're gonna feel like, oh, this person, I'm just another number to them. Let me go ahead and cancel the contract before I begin. Because now I'm thinking that they're not going to take care of me. If they're not organized now and they can't fulfill the, the small promises that they had, How can I be sure that they're going to fill the big promise of my project?
1: Yeah, that's huge. I think about, you know, just in my own agency and the the processes that we have in sales, like, you know, just one example of what you're talking about is when when a no-show happens. So when I hire, you know, new closers, so, so we train them on how to manage these situations. Like we, you know, expect that they come with some level of sales training, but we also want to give them, you know, resources, training, SOP. And like, we have, you know, a no-show email. If someone doesn't show up to their sales meeting, we send them a, a, a templated email. We send them a templated text. Uh, and the goals of those email, that email and text is to re-educate them about what we do and get them back on the call, right? And so these, these, Things are just, you know, baseline processes that help feed the business and recoup money that we could be possibly lo- losing, uh, and then also assist the closers in what they're doing on, as a, as a, you know, as a foundational, um, you know, reach out to the customer in a no-show situation, a, you know first and foremost, and then the closer themselves then does their manual outreach. And so, you know, you have the reminder emails, you have the no-show emails, you have the follow-up texts, you have the closer reaching out. So all that combined together is what, you know, the business, you know, does in in its entirety. But um, as a baseline, having those, you know, automated pieces of it uh, really helps, you know, just create a foundation across the board. And different
2: tools can actually set that up so that you're not doing that manually. So if you have that, if then statement, like if the person shows up for the call, then they can go through this sequence. If they did not show up for the call, then they would go through a different sequence and they would get, you know, those or those reminders. Or like you said, that was a great thing, having that reminder text in there. So that's a can be an automated thing where if the person is too, you've been waiting for a minute or two for the person to come on, you're shooting them a text and they're like, Oh, let me get on really quickly. Instead of you sitting there and wasting that 30 minutes or an hour that you have crafted out. Now you've reminded that person to get on there. So those are, that's really good thing. And sometimes people just don't think to, to do that or they forget to.
1: Yeah, it's huge. It's really big. Um, Anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? I have one more question for you. I ask every uh, guest that comes on my show uh, one last question. So what, let's do that one first, and then I'll give you uh, you the last word uh, and let us, you know, all of our listeners know where they can catch up with you as well. So my last question for you uh, is, what is your number one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is just launching their agency right now?
2: Oh, I have so many pieces of advice for that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> pick, pick the most important. I would
2: say start, document, do, start documenting those systems now um, and those processes in place, even if you are just a agency of one, because what you can do is if you're having it set up and you're actually the one, you're the prototype, you're, you're testing those processes to see if it's really clear for someone else to go in and to follow those same things, and that way, when it comes for you to bring on someone else, you already have something in place and you're not scrambling to try to create training materials or you're not scrambling to try to create put it all together so you have something for that person to do.
1: Yeah, and I would add this to that is, you know, When we talk about on this episode, you know, document your processes and, and get your, you know, SOPs, standard operating procedures together and everything. I know for a lot of people and a lot of like brand new agency owners or people new to the business space, it can seem overwhelming, but really it's not just even, you know, I I have a a seven figure agency and the way we document our processes, the way I document my processes for new members is loom loom as a, um, screen recording uh software it's free or it's ten dollars a month I believe for the pro version. Like it's very, very affordable. Uh it's a Chrome plugin. If you're not using Chrome, you should be using Chrome. Uh, but it's a Chrome plugin. Uh and you uh you just click it and it records your whole screen or just your your window. And honestly it can be as simple as just talking over your process. And that's generally how I start with our SOPs is you know I'll find myself doing uh you know a repetitive task and it says okay I want to give this to my VA or my assistant, or I want to give this to our project manager or account manager uh, so they can start doing it. And I'll hit record and I'll say, Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, Because, you know, you want to give a a, a greeting because they may be making it for, you know, Amy, but, you know, Amy is going to pass that video down to somebody else when she leaves or she's going to create her own uh, if the process changes. Right. So I just kind of like, you know, hit record, say, hey, this is what we're going to do for this process. And this is exactly how I do it. And then I'll just go through the process and I'll narrate what I'm doing. So then i'm going to come over here and i'm going to look in column j and i'm going to come down here and i'm going to find that there's nothing there so i need to go see if there's a payment really there so i'm going to log over here into our merchant system and i'm going to go see if there's a payment and you're just narrating what you're doing over a video and it really is that simple it doesn't have to be you know super complex i think the next step would be having you know a google doc you have steps one two three four five that are written out uh but you can start very easily by just recording what you're doing and doing the process yourself and then setting that video off and then um you know maybe making a, a 10 step or 20 step whatever it is uh line item for that process right and then just passing that over keeping those all in your project management tool uh for easy reference uh in the rolodex of how do i do this uh and it just makes it a lot more simple. So don't get overwhelmed when you hear us talking about documenting processes and where do I start? It starts by just doing the process, recording it and narrating it and and speaking over it. So it doesn't have to be. And I
2: I agree a hundred percent with what you just said that um, definitely doing those videos, doing a quick screen recording, something that's three minutes or five minutes long. It does not have to be long to tell someone how to do a process. Sometimes we overthink things so much and we're, we get stuck because we're trying to think about how to do this perfectly, but. Just making sure that you're communicating effectively, showing that screen of what exactly you're doing so that the person can follow through and even, you know, do the same thing that you you did. They can copy it right from the screen, pushing pause, playing, and able to see it a lot better and easier. And then it doesn't take up a lot of your time. Now you have SOPs in three minutes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Shanice, is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, with our listeners that they may need to know, uh, you know, to catch up with you or that, you know, that may help them, you know, with their day-to-day business?
2: Yeah, so um, any of your listeners, if they want to get that three steps to automate systems in your agency business to scale to six, seven, and eight figures, they can go ahead over to com slash Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, um, they can also book a call with me or they can connect with me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. I'm, all of those links are on that same page, tassleygroup.com slash Tyler.
1: <laughs> Shanice, thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. I think uh, not only our listeners learned a lot, but I did too. And when I learned a lot, I know that it's uh, always a great episode.
0: So again, thank you so much for hopping Thanks on for here.
2: having me. I really enjoyed our chat.
0: That's gonna be it for today's episode. If you're ready to take your agency to the next level and have your leads, your team, and your sales all done for you, then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com scale. That's dfy-agency-program.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. See you in the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast.